The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome into another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host Kelsey. And Kelsey, I think busy is the best way to describe this week in sports as well, too. There's a whole lot going on, and we got a pretty special main event coming up, too, so we don't got too much time to waste. Yeah, so we'll just go ahead and start it out. First of all, happy Black History Month. It is February 2nd, so we are right here, just two days in. If you guys have missed it so far, I'm just going to self-plug us because self-promotion. I mean, why not? We are sitting there highlighting Black History Month athletes. Two a day, both male and female, for their their representation and their rewards at all everything they've done for Black History, and we're doing that on our Instagram, TikTok, everything. So if you guys haven't checked those out yet, go ahead and follow us. You can see our socials right here below us. That's gonna be posted up every day as well. So that's just to start us off. But DJ, there's been a whole lot more that we've had happen. There's a whole lot more to get into. So we're gonna start right off in our favorite in your second favorite segment, the tip off. The tip off, of course, is brought to you by Doctor Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. All the soaps you want, all the deodorants, all the greatness for your skin without the harsh chemicals and the scratchiness. And Kelsey, I think we're just going to peel the bandaid off right away. Uh, Brian Flores v. NFL round one underway, starting off, as you mentioned, starting off Black History Month by suing after the NFL and a few of the teams as well. And not exactly what I thought was going to happen during this head coaching carousel. We talked a lot about how it was interesting, how many openings there were for so long. Well, it just got a lot more spicy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to this to unpack and there's a lot to still wait and see what's true what's not and honestly the the whole thing about this is it does raise a lot more questions about what the, the dolphins had to say about him because how much of that was really the dolphins being truthful or the dolphins just trying to cover their tail on the back end because there's a whole lot of smoke and where there's smoke there's fire when it comes to the nfl we've seen that many many times go back to just recently the the uh john gruden situation and i mean there's where there's smoke there's fire and there's a whole lot of smoke coming up from from the evidence provided by brian flores and his team that that's a it's a smokety smoke. That's the only way to describe it. Like my lungs are pal- palpitating just thinking about it. But we we're not lawyers, so we're not going to get too far into the weeds. But basically, just of it short is if what he is saying about Miami especially is true, we'll focus on I'll focus on that one first of all about more or less getting paid a healthy amount of bands to throw games on purpose and then getting basically getting blackballed for just declining that and almost being forced to tamper with a 
high-profile quarterback, for those listening on the future audio, that is me doing quotation marks around that, that allegedly and having to storm off of a yacht for it, if that raises the case, that's as damning as it gets, honestly. And I've obviously we, you can't make anybody get rid of their own their own entity, but that would be grounds for you have to sell your team at least. If, if I made the rules, that would be grounds. That would be messing with the competitive nature of the game, I guess. However, you want to word that as well, too. Obviously, you can't force somebody to sell their sell their own something that they own as well, too. But that's how I would look at it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole fact of like it's the whole desire to have competitive balance, right? Like, you're not supposed to cheat your way to a first round pick consistently. That shouldn't happen, and uh, that that's one of the things coming out. And as you mentioned, getting paid to do so is even worse uh, than just. I mean, that's I hate to say it, but that's kind of up there with the old Black Sox situation. The Reds, you know, the all the players for the White Sox who got banned for for betting against their own team. Um, that's I mean, that's up there with that level of oh, you messed up type of situation. Exactly, you're being and in, on top of that, if you're in that situation, you're Brian Flores, you're getting incentivized to suck so they could basically fire you. And they'll have grounds to do it on top. Like the entire thing was a mess, and that one definitely, that's something to keep an eye out for as well too. That is a very damning thing if it proves to, to end up being true as well too. On top of that too, I thought it was interesting is he was suing the Giants obviously because those texts with Bill Belichick kind of implied like, hey, they were only interviewing you as basically a check mark on the list sort of thing yeah. as well too to appease the Rooney Rule, which. I get that as well, too. That's something to keep an eye on for. Multiple other coaches have said they felt that way. Although I, that one's kind of weird to me because I look at the Giants. You hired Brian Dabble, who is arguably the gem. I put that in quotes, too, for those of you listening, of this free agency hire, or this, excuse me, this coaching hire. And on top of that, too, the their new GM was a former Bills guy like a week week before. So that one kind of lines up. But if what they said with the Bill Belichick text, that's pretty damning if, you could, if all the dots end up connecting as well, too. So this is a very... Very deep case that, unfortunately, because of the way the law works, is we're not going to have the answers that we want anytime soon. No, not at all. And, and you know, you're exactly right about the situation with the, the the Giants. I don't think it'll pan out for him positively there, but I do think there's a whole lot more smoke that that can pan out pretty well for Brian Flores, a guy who you talked about, Brian Dowell being the gem. Brian Flores became the gem once he was fired because that was a surprise firing. I mean, really, like that's not the guy that we expected to be available in this offseason, considering he brought them back to an almost playoff berth from literally the depths of hell. I mean, he's had he's won more games than he lost. He's had two back-to-back winning seasons after a five and eleven after fire sailing in that first year. There was yeah. a talks with they even win a game and they end up winning five. They they if they were really trying to tank that year. They did a bad job because they missed out on the Joe Burrow sweepstakes. So, yeah. and yeah. and there, I will say this for all those listening that you want to get into the depths of it, check out TSS Fantasy on Friday. Uh, T- uh, Jason Cooper, Commissioner Cooper, his wife will be diving in. She is actually. Uh, a certified lawyer so she She's actually can dive into these more qualified than us yeah she can dive into these situations and give you a full breakdown of what's going on and by the way they just happen to be dolphins fans too so there's a little bit more incentive that they're they dive into this one and and, and clear it out too so definitely check that out as well that'll be on friday for tss fantasy shameless plug again for tss because as always they're a friend of the podcast so we gotta gotta plug them a little bit and just kind of rounding out this one as well, too, is he also named the Broncos for what they did in 2019 when he interviewed them, alleging that they were hungover, that they were basically not paying attention, that John Elway and crew were basically just there for the checkbox as well, too. That's another thing. They've are obviously adamantly declined that, but that is something to keep an eye out for as well, too, because that, that's the case as well, too. That's I don't know what the punishment is. I don't make the rules for that, but I don't know exactly the details. And once again, we are not lawyers. We don't know the lo- the logisticals of it, but that is something right. to keep an eye out for because you can't. that's just unacceptable. And I hate to say it, I feel like we've we've heard this story every offseason about the Rooney Rule just kind of being a check mark for some teams, and I hate it. I like the Rooney Rule is supposed to be so impactful, mm-hmm. and it has kind of as exactly what Brian Flores puts it in his in his wording is it's turned into a check mark for a lot of teams. 
Like it's just another box to be checked. To you already have your favorite, and you just have to check this box, and it's not actually doing what it was intended. And that's kind of a shame. But I can we can talk about this all day. We really could. But there are some more coaching moves that we have to talk about. Exactly, and you know this kind of could be our next segue as well too, because I look at the Broncos. They made a move, and they actually hired a head coach. They hired the offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay, and. Well, honestly, when I look at that move, that exclusively screams to me, Aaron Rodgers, please come here. That is the only reason they hired him. Like, there is no other reason when I look at that team why he was the right hire besides you're hoping Aaron Rodgers chooses you. Yeah, no, that's I feel like you're exactly right. That is like, hey, Aaron, here's a here's a big giant flag. We we uh, this is your guy, so he's our guy now. Uh, yeah, come here, please. Uh, we want to win. Considering when I look at their roster too, that's not one where you really want an offensive mind. I ironically look at that team and I'm like, a defensive mind there with a somewhat veteran quarterback is what I would be looking for as well. That would be my choice because you don't really have a young quarterback you're trying to groom because they're trying to get rid of Drew Locke by all intents and purposes, it sounds like, which may be better for Drew Locke at this point. I don't know. But honestly, I think Brian Flores, if he was out, there would have been a really good fit there as well too. And I think there were some other options there as well too. But we're going to go and stay in that division. And Look at the Las Vegas Raiders, who we thought had a head coach. I mean, I Rich, Rich Bisada during his time as an interim coach was outstanding and led him to a play within seven yards of a playoff W, or at least going to overtime against the AFC champion. And now suddenly he's look he's out there interviewing free special teams or other type of jobs as well. Too instead, the Raiders decided to go with Josh McDaniels, who I guess when he coached the Broncos as a head coach, and the Raiders got to beat up on him twice a year and, and play against them, they didn't learn from that. Uh, dude, this is crazy. I, I like what do you? So there were already rumblings that you're going to trade away Derek Carr, but now you bring in a quarterback guru like Josh McDaniel. Sorry, quarterback guru for those not watching. Those are those air quotes again for uh, and Josh McDaniels. And and now what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to run that dink and dump offense with Derek Carr? No. Are you going to run that with Marcus Mariota? Probably not. I mean, Marcus Mariota's a free agent too. So I mean, yeah, like, can you? And that's just it. If you resign Marcus Mariota, then are you going to do the cam offense that Josh McDaniels produced for for New England, which went over so well? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, uh, successful, not even in the remote naming possibilities. Um, like, I, I just know there's, that that one gave me a lot of question marks. Like that's a that's a job where that should have been Basakias. Period. Exactly. Point blank, no doubts about it. And this one, the Raiders just do the Raiders and do the wrong thing that they possibly do. And this kind of goes along those things that Brian Flores is talking about in the lawsuits. Why is Josh McDaniels really getting a third opportunity here as well, too, with a team like this that he really has no business on, honestly. And I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't make choices. He's obviously had a really good career as an offensive coordinator, but there's a lot of things pointing to the otherwise. I mean, last time he had a head coaching job, he didn't even make it to the welcoming in a welcome press conference. So that, that we're moving on. We're going to spend time on this all day as well, too. The New York Giants, we already talked about hiring Brian Dabble. We on, I think we both kind of agree that, that I like that move for him as well, too. And if you're going to get anything out of Daniel Jones, he's your guy for it. And he seems to like Daniel Jones. So, yeah, that was my pick for him, too. I mean, that was, you know, that's when it came down to it. That was, our, I think we both were like, yeah, that's a smart choice. Like, and you have two first round picks. So, if he decides he doesn't like Daniel Jones during this offseason time, uh, trade both those up, or you can honestly probably get one of your guys right there or trade back and get somebody next year. You, there, we're, we're not a whole lot to talk about there. We'll go ahead and keep moving yeah. on. We already talked about the Broncos. The Bears taking Matt Eberflus. That was the one that's kind of interesting as well, too. Which, yeah, strange. Eh. I mean, we, we all talked about they want, they'd probably want to go a different route, but like this went the whole, this went a weird way. Like, I didn't expect this to go the way it did. Mm hmm. Like, this is the job I thought Brian Flores was going to get. Like, 100%, this is, like, my, like, number one Brian Flores here, please. And, it yeah, that Eberflus is a weird one for me. Like, it's not that he doesn't deserve it to, Matt Eberflus. I mean, it has had the past four seasons as a defensive coordinator, finished top ten and scoring three times as well, too. I mean, he's been a, he's been a competent defensive coordinator, not saying he doesn't deserve a job, but 
when you have a young quarterback like Fields you're trying to build around, I'm thinking you want to go get a Brian Dabble. You want to go get an offensive-minded guy to kind of lead the way. And they did bring in the offensive corner. I think it was the quarterback's the quarterback uh, coach from New from Green Bay, I believe is who it was, who they brought in as the offensive coordinator. His name is slipping my mind right now. But it basically depends on what him and what they do with the offensive line coach because – they got in. They brought in Ryan Poles as the GM as well, to a former offensive lineman too. So you got to imagine that they're going to put a wall in front of Justin Fields. So at least they got that going. And Matt Eberflus saw firsthand when what happens when a young quarterback does not get any protection because he saw the back half of it with Andrew Luck and how that thing played out. So we'll see. I did, that that one, the million dollar question is who's in charge of the offense basically? Because yeah. we'll see what Eberflus does like as the, at the head of the helm. Luke Getzey, that's Luke the Getzey that got that, that got hired. There we go. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of these guys that come out of nowhere and they surprise her. But that's going to lead us to the open head coaching jobs now as well, too. Oh, well, by the way, well, hold on. There's, there's Vikings, one more. There's, there's one more. the Vikings who just filled in theirs with Kevin O'Connell, the off the offensive coordinator from the Rams as well, too. Literally just happened right before the time of this recording. Yeah. And by the way, this is the funniest one for me because literally Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan on National Signing Day to go take this interview with Minnesota, then gets turned down by Minnesota. And says, okay, Michigan, I'm back after the deadline for national signing day. Like, I'm okay. Like, the math was terrible, but the final solution is right. Cause either way, he's got to come back and take that butt whipping from Ryan Day in Columbus next year. He's got to, oh, he's got to, he has to go answer for that. So that it worked out, but my goodness, the process. Oh, Jim, 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 Jim. Don't trust this process. <laughs> oh, change, repeat, delete this process. Find a new recipe at this point. I still think Jim Harbaugh is a better NFL coach than a than a college coach personally, and he probably should and should go back to the NFL, but not like that. Not on National Signing Day, like you mentioned. Like Jesus, what a mess. Anyway, let's let's move into something more fun, like the open head coaching jobs. After which, there's still a good amount as well too. I'm gonna start with probably the most intriguing one to me, at least, and that's the New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton stepping away from the team. The biggest thing with the Saints is they are in cap purgatory. It is an absolute trash heap, but they always find a way to manage it. But there is a lot of good pieces there to work with. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. You mean to tell me I could go take over this New Orleans Saints team with Alvin Kamara? Currently, Michael Thomas still on the roster. If that he defense... plays, he'll get surgery again. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, like I said, currently he's on the <laughs> roster. Um, that team with that entire defense will set up the way it is. The offensive line, how good it is. Uh, I'll deal with the. I'll I'll figure out a way to deal with the cap space, aka trade Mike Thomas for a whole lot of assets, and yeah, I'll make it work. And I'll get a quarterback in all this process as well. I'll get trade with the. I'll trade with the Giants for Daniel Jones at this point in time, and I would make it work. Like works, that works. this team is this team this team is set to succeed. All you have to do is get a quarterback that is healthy. And honestly, if Jameis is still come, able to come back, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. Not, not at all. My perfect fit for this one, and this was three days ago when I had this plan, so obviously might not quite work now, was Brian Flores to the Saints because obviously you see what he could do with that those defensive pieces, like Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, Demario Davison squad. Offense, you mentioned Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas. Jimmy Garoppolo's on the trade block now. Maybe you toss a second-round pick and some other asset for cap relief to him. Bringing a quarterback that all he does is win and manage the game. Brian Flores kind of, I think he'd be able to make it work. And if he decides he doesn't like it, we saw what he did with Miami, a complete fire sale, rebuilt them into a winner. There's a lot to fire sale here if they decide to go that route as well, too. There is a lot of tradable assets you could get a lot for. You mentioned Michael Thomas, maybe Cam Jordan in his twilight days. You send him out and get something in return. Like he would have been a he would be, and there's still a chance he could be hired. We'll see how everything else plays out as well, too. There's yeah. a there's a big uh there's might be a little bit of a blockade for that. But if that was the one I look at where if it could have worked out, that could have been an outstanding fit. 
the the whole point of where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, unfortunately, sometimes that smoke envelops the, the subject too. So uh, you got to fight your way through that if you're going to hire them. And I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans still makes an offer to him. I, I really wouldn't, considering they've stood behind Sean Payton as many times as there's been incidences there. I think Brian Flores is a fantastic hire for the long term future of your your organization, and I would 100% back him right now. Like, but, give because he has because he has there's already evidence shown. I feel like I'm I'm more likely to just be like on his. I, I actually on I am on his side right now. Obviously, we'll see if the details come out. But with the evidence he's provided at this point in time, it seems like he has a very valid situation. So I like I kind of wouldn't. I would back him up if I'm the New Orleans Saints because you're stirring up your team for a long time as far as the head coach goes. On top of that, you look at that division. It is incredibly, incredibly winnable these days as well. To going to next year, that is not a that division is not overly dangerous, especially if you're the Saints as well too. So, moving on now, Jacksonville is another one. We'll go and coast through these last couple. Obviously, the Urban Meyer situation is done now. They have they have some they have some open spots. They've been talking to a lot of coaches as well too. They've done a very deep interview process. It looked like Byron Leftwich was a shoe in, but it looks like he didn't want to go with Trent Baalke as a GM in the Jaguars. Looks like they're back in Trent Baalke, so we'll see how this all plays out. Honestly, that's a perfect fit. My only other two that I could think of that I think would be outstanding is Jim Caldwell's out there. He's interviewed as well, too. That man took a team to a Super Bowl in his first year as a coach and took the Lions to the Super Bowl. He's got pedigree and Eric Bieniemy. Like, yeah. I know they haven't even interviewed him, really, but you have a young superstar generational. There's the quotes again, guys. Quarterback as well, too. you got to do everything to build around him. So those are the ones that, I, that stick out to me that I think they should look at, which means they'll do none of those. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I think the biggest thing with with Jacksonville that you have on your side, you also have a lot of cap space. Obviously, the bulky situation is worrisome because I, I would have honestly, I don't I honestly don't know why Shad Khan's keeping Trent Balky as much as he is. Like, why he's hanging on to that as much as he is? Because no one in the NFL wants to work with him. Like, that's been the big big takeaway so far. Is like, there's not a single soul in the NFL that wants to work with Trent Balky, and yet Shad Khan's still hanging on to that piece. And I'm just. It's, that's a question mark for me, and especially bringing back Byron Leftwich, a hometown hero. I would have done it. I, I would have pulled the trigger. Um, yeah, that would have been a hiring right there. And I don't know. Uh, that that's, that whole situation with Jacksonville is very interesting, though. I just I don't know what you do uh, if you're not going to get rid of Trent Baalke. I don't know where you go. I don't know who you're going to turn to, just because nobody really wants to work with them. So yeah. that's that's going to be you're going to get some uh, maybe Matt Nagy's in the system if if you're going to keep Trent Baalke there. Boy, for their sake, I hope not as well, too. And then we'll go on to the aforementioned Miami Dolphins, who now have an opening that they should not have as well, too. But when I look at it, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm just going to keep mine quick and simple. I think Rich Bisaki would be a fantastic fit. He knows how to handle chaos. He is a proven winner. You plug him in there with even more pieces than he had in Vegas. I think he's done enough to earn a head, co- head coaching job. I'd say toss him in there as well, too. I think he'd be a great fit. This is Miami? You said Bisaki to Miami? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. that I heard that right. I was like, yeah, that's not. I mean, it's not terrible by any means. But I mean, hey, they're, 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 they're a mess. He knows how to handle messes as well as anybody, as we've seen. Yeah, he is a he is a crisis um, negotiator at that point in time. It felt like mm-hmm. throughout most of the season for the Raiders. So yeah, like I don't hate it. Uh, I do like the Jim Caldwell idea here in, in Miami. Just give him a young opportunity, uh, opportunity with a bunch of young players like Tua, and see what he could do. I do think there's an opportunity there for Jim Caldwell. Um, otherwise, I don't really, I don't think this is a good fit for Eric Bieniemy. Just Eric Bieniemy needs. I want Eric Bieniemy to have a job where he can has opportunity to succeed, mm-hmm. and it's been proven Miami right now. Even if you succeed, it might not be good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
And then that's going to take us to the last one. The Houston Texans still open. Honestly, this one, the only thing I don't want is then to hire Josh McCown, who I really don't think has any business being a NFL head coach at this point. Too. I know he's a fan favorite and all that for weird reasons, but he's the only one I don't I don't want to see in there. I wouldn't mind seeing Eric Bieniemy here as well too, as well. But I like Jim Caldwell here as well too. A chance if you get if you keep Deshaun, you have your quarterback, you build around him. We know what Jim Caldwell can do. If you don't have him, you have a young guy, Davis Mills, who showed promise. You trade Deshaun and get a buttload of assets. Jim Caldwell can build a team from that as well, too. So I would like an experienced head coach from the Texans as well, too. I don't know if I'm going for a young run-and-gun type guy. I think I'd go with someone with experience putting a team together. You know, this is a situation. There's, there's a coach that play, that coaches in the English Premier League in soccer. His job is literally to come in midway through the season and just rescue a team from from relegation. Uh, and that's that's kind of how I feel about this Texans team. Is like They are as close to being relegated to college football levels or amateur football that any team in the NFL has ever gotten. And yes, I am Browns fans who are whining right now. Say, no, you have never been this close. Like the Texans are bad. There's no doubt about it. There's three good pieces, four good pieces that are possible trade baits that play, that teams might give you a fifth and sixth rounder for. I mean, you don't really have anything that can give you really quality assets except for the guy who's marred by legal issues. And that's a big worry for me. So I honestly, I don't like any coach going here right now just for no other reason than I don't want any coach that I would like to see succeed, try to go here and try to succeed in a situation that is, this is as close to a lose-lose situation as possible. So I, I really, there's not a lot of coaches that I would like to see here because I just don't think it's a good position for anybody right now. It's a rough one, but it's still one of 32 spots. If they want it, I will take the job as well. I mean, I, yeah, I'd sacrifice myself so everybody else could do it. I, uh, so everybody else could succeed next season after I take all the heat. Yeah, that, that's how we'll work it as well, too. But I think there's something to be had there. I think you just you can't mess this one up, and I think you can't experiment on this one. I feel like taking a proven commodity is your best choice here right now. And I, I just like Jim Caldwell in the situation. is the calm, cool, collected head who knows nothing but winning. So that, that's my thought on it as well, too. But that's going to do it for our coaches carousel as well, too. Now it's going to take us into the main event, brought to you, of course, by Colorcast, the leading audio sports app out there as well. If you haven't checked on it, I don't know what you're doing as well, too. I mean, you can listen to games. You can have talk shows. There's debate shows on there. You can go and hang out. You do just about anything you want. But, Kelsey, that takes us to the main event as well. And we got a little bit of a special guest today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Absolutely. And with that, guys, enjoy this interview with RJ Hasty, former UNC soccer player, ODP player for the U.S. team as well as he tells us his story during Black History Month. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a very special interview. We are talking Black History Month, and not just Black History Month, but former and current Black athletes that have grown up as a Black man dealing with some of the things that you've had to deal with in Black History Month. And we have a very special guest with us today, RJ Hasty, my friend, good friend, a very big supporter of the show, I got to say. He's probably the biggest supporter of the show, more so than myself. Man, RJ, how's it going, man? I, I'm glad to finally get you on the show. Wonderful. Glad to be here. This is actually my second podcast of the day, which is blessed. I mean, we had this lined up for a few days, but just this morning, somebody called me and said, do I want to do a podcast? So I ran across town, did another one. So this is actually an interesting day for me. So I believe it's my third podcast of my life, but second today. Hey, it's doubling up what you did last year, right? Exactly. <laughs> 
No, nah, man, this is awesome. I'm, we talked about getting you on for a while now. For those that don't know, go ahead and let them know what like, you're now. You're a photographer down in Key West, so you're kind of living a dream life right now. But before that, athletically wise, like, go ahead and tell some of the people what you used to do. Uh, I used to play a little bit of everything in high school and soccer. Uh, a lot of in uh, college, a lot of soccer. Um, that's what I got to go to school for. I thought I was going to go to school to run track. I probably should have. I'd probably still, you know, be doing something with that. But I wouldn't be taking photos down here in Key West, so everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and not just a little soccer. Like you played a lot of soccer for a pretty pretty well known soccer school, if you will. Well, I played a bit of soccer my sophomore year. I played a lot of bench my freshman year, so there is that. <laughs> <laughs> but you did, you know, you, you, it's worth mentioning. You did get the scholarship to go to UNC uh, up until Correct. the ankle injury, and then you transferred to what West Florida, I believe. Go Argonauts. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, you got the experience there too. So you're not just some some soccer playing guy. You actually have some pretty high quality experience there, and and kind of talk about that. What was that like, kind of doing that and before it is what it is today. I mean, soccer back, what, 20 years ago? What, no, I say 20, but what, 15 years ago wasn't as uh, as, as popular as it is now. Wasn't as popular, and uh, I guess to stay on subject, it wasn't nearly as diverse back then. Um, I was very blessed in high school. I was on the team with my uh, cousin, and having him on the team my after my – I'm a military brat, so I got there in the middle of my sophomore year – so having him on the team from my junior year on, as my sophomore year, I felt more or less alone. And then my junior year on, having him right there next to me, and we had another guy named Lewis that was just, it made our, um, it made our experiences a lot different. And I have a couple other buddies that are, you know, Asian and um, a couple um, buddies of Muslim faith that would get extra crap and we had one of the most diverse soccer teams. So in-house, there was nothing extra. But when um, we go on road trips and play away games, you'd see some, hear some interesting things. Yeah, and you mentioned you're a military guy, but your high school career mostly happening in Panama City, Florida, in the Florida area, Panhandle. So, Correct. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not far from that where I grew up at in, in Alabama. So there was like, when, when we first met and we started talking, there was a lot of, correlation between the areas where a lot of similarities yeah it was very very interesting so i mean for those that don't know though i mean it's 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 kind of backwoods swampy areas if if you go any further north of panama city and then along the beach you have this the beach there but you know it's yeah, uh it is panama still city they, they hear panama city they think of panama city beach um the saying for all the locals there is la as in lower alabama they call panama city the redneck riviera it is very beautiful on the beach. Then you go those few miles into town and it gets interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the best way to say it. So uh, as you mentioned, you know, you, you go to away games and, and you go away from what has a very comfortable position where you, you got everybody on is on the same page to, well, you hear some stuff. What is, I mean, what is the worst one you ever heard? I mean, I, I obviously, you know, whatever you feel like mentioning on it, like go ahead and talk about it. And there's no, limits on 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 what there is to say about it but if what is the worst situation you ever gotten put in traveling away on a, on a game I uh, see we were pretty fortunate in high school um the worst situation I was ever put in wasn't even really a situation I was in we got in a fight on the field because um a couple of my Vietnamese teammates were getting called a um, bunch of different names yeah. and it being a team the entire team solidarity we all stuck together and 
we got a nice talking to from the principal about the fight, but uh, he gave us a lot of insight on race and things of that nature. And these weren't his words. I believe they are Paul Mooney's words, but he pretty much said the same thing in a lot longer old school lecture type scenario. But he said, if, uh, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Yeah. So, you know, it, and it, words hurt, but at the same time, that mentality has taken me to a bunch of different places in life. Yeah, no, talk about that a little bit. What, what, you know, you've, you've gotten to do a lot of different things. Like I said, you're now living a pretty dreamy life in, in, in Key West, taking photography, taking pictures on a regular basis, and not just some pictures, like wedding photography pictures, street pictures, you get to do it all. And, you know, you, uh, just, you know, kind of to walk us through what, what you're growing up playing sports and, and being a military guy, uh, being a military brat as well. Like, what has that led you to do throughout the rest of your life? I mean, because how do you end up there from, from military brat to, Key West, Florida, taking photography, taking photos. Well, that's a long story. I'll give you a brief version. Um, growing up military brat for me was beautiful. I uh, think I attribute moving so many times as a child. My father was getting his degree while he was in the Air Force. So that being the case, he qualified for a less crappy job every time he finished a little bit of college. And that enabled, that made us move a whole lot. So moving more often than the average military brat, I believe that uh, I got the ability to make friends quickly. I got the ability to see so many different parts of this nation that I can relate to so many different people. And it just gives me a different perspective than I think on most people. Um, the playing sports, it was always beautiful for the most part. I mean, we had our hiccups, like I have many hiccups, but uh, it was normally beautiful because sports is one of those, those things that brings everybody together. I mean, you seen remember the titans i mean i can't it's just it was kind of like that most places i went on your team when you went to away games it was always different it was always uncomfortable unless you had another diverse team you were playing against and then it was just a regular game which they all should have been but yeah we had a we had a couple different things i mean there was a tournament we played in overseas one time and in france and this the crazy part to me um i think it was I don't even remember what year it was, but it was right when Thierry Henry was the Blondie Or winner. He was the yeah. best footballer on the entire planet. And when anybody, not just me and my teammates, but anybody of color would touch the ball, you'd hear the monkey chant. And it's one of those things that the you've heard about it on TV, you've seen it, but when it happens to you, it's just, wouldn't even say it affected our game, but after the game, you definitely think about it. I mean, I've got heckled, like everybody gets heckled, and it's not always a racist heckle. It's just you want your team to win, so you try to get another guy's head. But when it crosses that line, it actually didn't affect us during the game, but after the game, you just think like when people wanted to go sightseeing, I didn't want to go. That's how they feel about me on the field. I don't want to go see your nation. I don't want to go hang out with your people. I don't want to immerse myself in your culture, which is the exact wrong thing to do. But as a child, that's, I, no, I don't want to see anything. I'll just go back to the hotel room and we'll hang out. Yeah. <clears throat> to that, to that purpose. I mean, I guess that's something that a lot of people can't say they've ever been through. Like if you had to relate it to anything else you've ever dealt with, is there anything that you can relate that to? I mean, is that, or is that kind of just so far that you've, it's just such a unique <clears throat> situation to deal with. Like, has, has there ever been any other thing that relates to that, that you could kind of, Correlate. I mean, I've heard every name in the book, but never in mass, never in mass like that. I mean, a whole crowd chanting at you is different than, you know, just some guy that 
blowing steam off saying whatever he pleases. Yeah, no, that's I honestly couldn't even imagine. I mean, as you mentioned, we've all been heckled at some point in time, but never some of us never to that extent, uh, and a lot of us to never to that extent for obvious reasons. I mean, it's uh, in that situation, especially at the time you were there. Terry Henry, being who he is, he's talked about it many times. You mentioned you mentioned him. Um, I'll even 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 bring up the recent Kaepernick Netflix situation. Uh, you know how much backlash he received, and and we actually talked about this a couple times when when we were watching the show and. How many times did you see something in, in the Colin Kaepernick story that you were just like, wow, that is exactly how it, it works out? So that Colin Kaepernick story broke me down. I mean, I probably watched it three times. Some episodes I'd watch and I'd have to go back. It, it gave me a different perspective on what I went through because when you're going through it and when you're through it, you don't know what you dealt with. I mean, I honestly didn't think about the things I dealt with. One of the things that gives me just the chills would be him getting heckled at the baseball games in that Netflix series and him not getting the calls and people, that was, that's a real thing. Uh, Not getting calls and trying to have to be exactly perfect to let, not let that rep give you, give that call away. That's a real thing that I didn't even really think about that I'm thinking about now as a grown man. Like, that definitely happened. Uh, the worst is the hotel situations in that in that uh, Netflix special, as in, yeah, that definitely happened. We had some amazing, shout out to Mama O'Mara, some amazing teen mamas uh, that would take care of us and shield us through most of it. But definitely, I know that lobby situation so very well, being at a very nice hotel on a traveling soccer team and just you know I don't know hanging out with the guys and it could even be me by myself or me and one other black person but we there's always that little bit of extra and just so many things in that special made me rethink of what I had to deal with and the things that I thought that like yeah I dealt with this I dealt with that he shed light on the other things I didn't think about one time yeah. And I know there's one of those phrases and I'm pardon me for saying this, one, but we've talked about this, but you also see it in the Kaepernick series and it's the series of, well, you're really well spoken for either one of those guys or for a black person. And how does that make you feel as that? Cause you, you are, you're in a, in a group full of a bunch of high school kids and, and they're going to single you out for being well-spoken. I mean, that does well, that. Being a military brat, I've been blessed with a above average education. So I know this and I know my, the way I speak is, proper and uh it annoys it not annoys but it uh annoys me well it used to annoy me when i would hear the you speak so well or wow you and i don't hear this being told to anybody else around me nobody else gets told they speak well and i'm around a lot of other military reps i'm not the only one with a good education i'm around a lot of people that speak just as i do and when you pick up on this as a child you understand like oh they're just saying this because i'm black and they think it's a compliment but what i hear when people would say that to me is we didn't think you would speak this well we just looked at you we judged you and it's absolutely astonishing and amazing and we're just because you're not used to it doesn't mean we don't exist and as i've grown it's not an angry situation now it's a teaching situation i tell them that you know what you said this is what i heard and not that you're trying to be offensive you actually thought you were giving me a compliment but what you've told me about yourself is that you aren't very diverse 
you haven't grown up around a lot of black people because I've grown up around a lot of black and white people and I know some white people talk with a twang in their voice. Some people, white people talk like Siri or Alexa. They just, there's, and there's all the in-betweens. Well, the same is very true with black people. And if you've grown up around a lot of people, you absolutely know this. And if you haven't, you don't. So it's not a racist thing. It's an ignorance thing. It's a, I have not been exposed to somebody like myself or somebody like, anywho, it's one of those things you haven't been exposed. And I had to learn this myself, not to jump to anger, but to jump to, this is a teaching moment. You have to let them know that this is a thing. And I'm very calm now. I used to be an angry child and I feel like I'm calmer in my old age and I can have this conversation with you. But had this been somebody else, this conversation might not even be a conversation. So take that going forward. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like we've, we, like I said, we've talked about this. And the reason I bring that up is when it's mentioned in the Kaepernick series, it's mentioned in very much the same light that it's, it's not something they intend, nobody intends to do it, but it is a backwards compliment and, and a backhanded compliment in a lot of ways. And, and it's a microaggression if, if it, you know, using that term. And it's something that people don't understand that they're doing. And, uh, I bring it up just because it does correlate to a lot of things I've seen when I, when I'm playing sports with my friends and, you know, growing up in, in a hotel situation like that and having a parent say that about one of your friends and you're just like, but he just speaks well for general. Like he, he speaks better than I do. Like, what are you talking about? It's not just because he's one color or another. So I wanted to bring that up because that is something that we've talked about a lot and, you know, those type of misphrases um, and how they, they treat you. But, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times the, being a military brat and, and kind of what that's brought to you. Do you think that because you are a military brat, you're, you were able to kind of offset your position in a lot of these situations that maybe if you hadn't been, you maybe would have reacted differently, more more poorly? Do you think that you were able to step back? 100%. I mean, just, to, again, the access to so many different cultures, so many different nooks and crannies of this country and others that I have been reacted to in so many different ways. I have reacted to other people in different ways. And all those experiences have brought me a perspective that says they, they might be saying something that upsets me when I think about it, but they don't know they're saying that. And once I tell them that, I mean, their heart was in the right place. They thought they were giving me a compliment. Once I've broken it down to them, they know how very insulting it is. They won't say it again to anybody else. And we've had a conversation. I feel like I've educated them instead of just yelled at them. No, that is, that is, that's kind of a benefit that, you know, coming from that military background that you get. If, I mean, I don't know because I've never, I wasn't a child that grew up in one spot, but again, if I had grown up in one spot, maybe I had just been used to being the black kid that spoke so well in the white neighborhood and it was just everyday life for me and I didn't even notice it. Maybe I was the black kid that spoke so well that came from the hood, but got bussed across town to the good school. and got a good, better education and I got made fun of by black people when I went home because this whole thing doesn't just go one way. I've been, again, I'm a suburban kid. I don't, I stand out everywhere. I stand out in the white neighborhoods. I stand out in the black neighborhoods because of the way I do speak. And it's not, not that saying that all black people aren't capable of speaking that this way, but if you go to a hood, you go to the trailer park, you're going to see a different type of, vocabulary than if you go to different the suburbs it's just what it is so uh going there i was as a child definitely ostracized uh hanging out with my own family members i would get 
you know, comments and things. And it's just, again, ignorance. I mean, they don't know that there's another way to talk. And it, I mean, it's, I can understand everybody. And I think I speak clearly enough when I'm trying not to mumble that they can understand me. However, having so many experiences, I get the slang, I get the trailer park, I get the suburbs, I get the difference between a soda and a pop and a Coke. I get all those little idiosyncrasies between where you are and I can change, not like myself, but I can change the way I speak so that my point is heard and then I can get across to whoever my audience is. Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring up the Coke pop. It, what is it to you? Because, you know, we all, we've all have our preference, but the Coke pop, Pepsi... Dr. Pepper, you know, is do you are you individual like do you individually call them or or are you have you adapted to the southern way of saying just coke for everything? I was a coke man for years, for many many moons. Um, again, being a military brat, though, where I spent the longest, we were stationed in Panama City, I believe, two or three different times. So I did some preschool there, some time I don't remember there, and high school there. So having that experience, I was that's my home base. Is uh, I was a coke guy in North Carolina. It was coke. Pensacola was definitely Coke. However, I've been in Key West for 13 years. As of tomorrow, wow, I'm probably going to get drunk. <laughs> Anniversary time. Um, but uh, yeah, as of tomorrow, I've been in Key West 13 years exactly. And this is a more northern town. It's not as north as uh, northeast, uh, north Midwest, where we go with pop anymore. But it is a northern enough that they just name each soda what it's actually called. Yeah. I always have to ask because you know you just got to be on the on the right page sometimes, and uh, I get tired of honestly. I've grow, I've been in the west, been in the north, been in the east, been down south. It's I just have to call it what it is at this point in time because if I try to do it anything else, it's nobody's going to understand me. It's, it's and, and I'll say the wrong one every time. Um, but I do want to shift this a little bit to now that we've you've talked about a lot of what you dealt with growing up, but now you're looking at some of these athletes going forward now, and you see. Now you have, let's just look at the college football right now, NIL deals coming out, but not just that, but you have two of top 50 athletes going and signing with HBCUs. There are about 10 out of the top 50 transfer potentials going to HBCU. Do you look at the NIL as kind of a leveling the playing field type of situation? Did you think it's evening it out for HBCUs to maybe make a role for themselves in the major potential possibly? This is a lot spicier than it sounds in my head. Um, man, oh man. So I couldn't go play soccer at HBCU because they just didn't have a team that would have, you know, in my head I was going to go on to greater teams and not get injured. So I couldn't have boosted my skills. The ability that Deion Sanders is having, that being one of the greatest corners of all time, unless we're talking about tackling, um, to be able to draw people in, to be able to give them that one-on-one -on -one coaching, they know that that DB is going to be ready for the NFL and he's attracting people and he's got in one of those top 50 recruits, which is absolutely positively amazing. Uh, I can't remember who said it, but the, what makes this so spicy for me is college is one of those things that everybody says definitely get a good job, go to college and blah, blah, blah. But it's also one of those things as in, if you look at the history of America and being black in America is one of those things that college has been now it's more acceptable than it's ever been for black people in ever prior to that it was one of those things we wanted to get in but nobody wanted us in. Mm -hmm. and the HBCU what that would do is we we wanted to get in and they really wanted us in they would accept us so 
that was a big, huge thing for Black people to have a college to go to, to get a higher education and be wanted, be accepted, not be in a room by in a room and you're the only piece of pepper in a room of salt. It's just jarring from time to time. And I give that analogy because my my wife, we were in uh, Miami and she's from Serbia. So she is definitely not from where there's a lot of black people. For the first time in her life, she was in a, we were in a hotel room, hotel lobby checking in and there were 40 people in there and there was not one white person in there. And she, I couldn't tell anything was going on, but when we left the lobby, she goes, I think that was the first time I was only the only white person in a room. And to me, that was so very interesting because keys aren't extremely diverse. I mean, there's plenty of everybody down here, but I am generally the only black person in the room more often than not. If, unless I'm hanging out with a couple of black people, I've got a lot of, I've got an extremely diverse friend group and I can, I go out by myself from time to time when I walk in a building, I don't know who's going to be there. Generally, I'm alone. And it's kind of funny down here in the Keys, we have a saying, if there's ever four black people in the room, four, four other black people in the room as you, it's a meeting. So we're like, did you call ahead? Do we get clearance? It's just a big joke down here. But every time somebody sees us, there's definitely a photo taken. Yeah. No, that's that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's it's interesting. So, you know, looking at, at the HBCUs, as you mentioned, it's a, it's, it's a welcoming place. And, uh, you know, it is it, for what they've become. I feel like HBCUs are having their moment now. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the the opportunity for HBCUs to become more well-known than just outside of the people who know like it's no longer the if you know you know type of situation it's now it's now you gotta know i'm so glad you said this because i was forgetting something i was getting off track but uh why it's absolutely so spiking me is on top of that is the the hbcus have the ability like one of my least favorite words on the planet is or terms on the planet is reverse racism i'm gonna go ahead and tell america something right now there's no such thing as reverse racism. There's just racism. Black people are capable of being racist. Every single race on the planet is capable of hating another race. When you call it reverse racism, what you actually do is you deny that racism was happening to a set of people in the first place. So if you expect that, you know, where I'm, where I'm, where I'm pulling all this from is a lot of people have a lot of angst towards HBCUs. Like, do you think if we would do that, if white people did that, it'd be a big issue and, and white people did that. And that's why there's the HBCU in the first place. So when you say it's reverse racism, you can call any black person racism, just give me a couple and you know, give me some background and you might be right. However, when you say it's reverse racism, what you are denying is the original racism that happened in the first place. That's a very good point because you talk about it, you gotta call a spade a spade at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, you, you hate to word it just so bluntly, but at the same time, a spade is a spade. It's you look at the look at the the pastime. What most of the Ivy Leagues stayed majority white until nineteen what fifty nineteen sixty I believe was the was the first time that they actually integrated. So you you you're looking at less than eighty years of 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 intermingling integration. Yeah. It's Crazy. Thank you. I was like, my brain was not working for that word, but yeah, for integration. And it is, it's something that people don't understand. HBCUs have been around for just as long as, as most of your regular public schools. Honestly, there's more public schools now that have opened up later than most HBCUs. So I, what, I, 
What I want to tell everybody that's uh, white and that wants to go to co uh, college, even any other minority besides black, which we would now be the minority at an HBCU, their scholarships go to waste every single year. You can get a top class education. The best medical school here in Florida is FAMU. Yep. You can get a top class education at an HBCU just for having skin that's not the same color as mine. They'll give it to you. They'll give you the full boat ride. And those scholarships go by the wayside every year because of the balance of power and the affirmative action thing. Since that these predominantly black schools need to attract people of other races, just like predominantly white schools need to attract people of other races, the same rules apply. So if you want that free education and a good education, it's not second rate whatsoever. And those are some of the uh, misconceptions that need to be killed as well about the HBCUs. It's nothing close to a second rate education. But those scholarships are out there. Go get that free money. Yeah, more like I look at Morehouse as a the business law school. I mean, I, honestly, it is so good there. You have Morehouse Spelman, their business law schools. They're absolutely fantastic. Obviously, they're they're separated male and female, but that doesn't change the fact that their curriculum is fantastic. Um, and it's free money. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, you can have a great time uh, at school there, and it's no different than any other school. People don't realize that, and you're exactly right. There is a angst or a fear of the the term HBCU of for some reason, uh, people don't seem to don't seem to get it. But now, looking at the landscape of, of sports in general, I know baseball right now is lacking, but your football programs, you're starting to see a lot more. Let's just look at head coaches. You're starting to see a lot more opportunities for head coaches that are black or that are of color. Do you think we're finally starting to get to some place closer to an equalization? Or do you think there's still a ways to go? And what do you think needs to kind of go to help that oh there's a ways to go and i think we're closer than we've ever been but there's definitely a ways to go this change is not something that is going to happen quickly as much as i or you or anybody else would want it to it's just one of those things that i mean you just gotta think i posted something on facebook today and uh you just got to have a little bit of empathy. And when you are trying to expect change, you have to understand what you're asking of these people. If you're asking of somebody that is a white male of 18 years old today to be more diverse and to be more opening and to be, it's not as hard of an ask of an 80 year old white man. And uh, what I mean by that is just think of from a perspective of, you've got the lead you are everything is set up for you to win and over the last 50 years you're seeing that that lead eroding and it's nothing that you've done to for that lead to erode yet yes that should, lead should erode but it's nothing you've done but with black people coming up with all minorities coming up and the biggest like 51 percent of the population women having equal rights now and getting ceo jobs and getting Refing in that NFL and uh, the NBA and being head coaches in the NBA DL and possibly soon getting head coaching opportunities in the NBA. That's got to be scary to those people that had the lead the whole time. You had no competition and now the playing field has more than leveled. You have every minority is now on a close to equal playing field. Women, which again are 51% of the population. So your lead has shrunk. It's got to be scary. And if you have a little bit of empathy, I don't care how 
much of a minority you are, you've got to think about that. Like, man, he had it all. Like, he could just try a little bit and he'd still make it. And now for his son, like, for let's, let's just say you grew up and you were just kind of the kid, like, everybody's got this kid in class that he just kind of, you know, was C student, he just kind of sort of got along. But then you get out of high school and you get a scholarship to college. And then you get a good job at a bank and you're not the janitor, but you're the manager soon. And then you get to set yourself up for life versus nowadays, you can't have that C average. You have to have a, a B plus average because the competition is so much more. You what just women alone being inside the mix to get that same exact job. It's got to be scary for that guy. So you have to have a little bit of empathy because that guy's thinking, whoa, 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 all this is changing. Now my son's not going to be able to have a good time in high school like I did. He's going to have to be a little nerd and hit the books because if he wants to do anything like I did, he can't be a C student, which is the way it should have been for you. However, there wasn't a level playing field. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's more down to uh, just seeing it more too? Like obviously, as you mentioned, there's there's now the, you have the developmental leagues, you have everybody. Like, yeah, I'd even go as far to say the integration of like anime into – you know, uh, into uh, American history, uh, what kids watch. Like, does that, all that help as far as making the ask of the 18-year-old to be a little bit more diverse easier? You know, I think I'm going to go ahead and retract one of my previous positions just because of what you said, like, with brought up the anime and, like, you know, we're in the age of technology and you have the ability to YouTube things and see things of a different culture and everybody's on TikTok and the reels and whatnot and when you're seeing all these things from all these different perspectives and you have the opportunity to, there's a lot less, there's a lot less hate. There's a lot more, oh, they're just like me. That person looks just like, they, don't, they look nothing like me, but they're into the same stuff. They, they tell the same jokes. They make me laugh. I can't, I'm just following them on TikTok. I'm following them on whatever. All of those little things are going to make change happen so much faster because, like you said, the ability to see it all, to be open to it, is giving, to fall back on something we spoke on earlier, like you know, the experience I had being a military brat, is giving so many people that experience, that diversity that you wouldn't get just stuck in the small town without YouTube, without the internet, without seeing anything else. Yeah, no, you, I, I totally agree. That's. It's an interesting part of growing up the way where we're growing up at, right? It's we've we've both experienced the without technology side of things, and then in our less formative, I, I don't know if we can call it less formative. It's our you know mid teens and older that we all, all of a sudden are just like inundated with all of this ability to see something that's not our life. I, I guess that's the best way I could put it, like something that we don't normally see on a daily basis, and you get to see somebody else's lives from their shoes. It's the old, uh, you know, wear their shoes and figure out how their life is, but you get to do it from your phone. Um, and that's that's a little interesting aspect of it. But I love what you had to say today, first of all, and I appreciate you coming on and being so open and honest about it. Is there anything I didn't didn't ask you that you want to talk about, though, before we before we get to, get, get to it? No, actually, we're good to go. I've got a – you actually gave me a bunch of ideas. I'm posting every month on my socials just uh, – get my perspective out of there. You just gave me a couple of things to think about, uh, you know, a couple of topics to jot down. So I have a couple more. So thank you. Yeah. No, look, this is, this is what we're all about. Like we've known each other for what well, now we're going on three, four years of knowing each other now. And this is kind of what most of our conversations are open, open-ended and try to take as much and glean as much information as you can from another person. And 
But man, I appreciate every single time we have a conversation. It is always, honestly, always enlightening. I love it every single time. Dude, you always support our podcast. And because of that, please take your time and tell everybody what you do. Tell everybody how to find you on social media, how to be, you know, get you to take photos for them. Because I know there's some people out there with some weddings coming up that uh, you need a wedding photographer. This is your man. I really appreciate that. Uh, I am a little weird. My uh, mother wanted me to be uh, the second, not a junior. So I don't spell RJ the way it's normally spelled. I am A-R-J-A-Y. So that is RJ Hasty, H-A-S-T-Y, photography.com. That's RJ underscore Hasty underscore photography on Instagram. And on Instagram as well, I've got a new thing coming out called RJ versus photography. And it's just going to be whatever I like to see. I keep my RJ Hasty photography generally weddings, weddings, weddings. But I shoot everything under the sun. Dogs, uh, the ladies landscapes um anything that just grabs my eye so that's just going to be more of me expressing myself and kind of going to be the better one but the other one's for my advertising and if you really want to see my wedding work check that one out too yeah no dude it's it's fantastic i love every time you have a photo shoot you'll send us over the preview of it and man it's it's amazing what you can do with a camera and 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 a little bit of back end uh editing and honestly like most of your stuff doesn't need back end editing but you do it because it makes it look better and it's it's another reason why I love hanging out with you and uh, Matt. Um, it's just one of those things with having two other creators and a little friend group. It's kind of we can bounce ideas off of each other. And I don't know, that collaboration is always just even if it's just like, hey, I can't. Somebody told me about this. You might It might help you on your podcast. And boom, just that kind of relationship is so helpful. Absolutely. Like you guys, you, you guys help, come, help me come up with so many ideas for the podcast. Uh, our Black History Month postings our daily postings. A lot of that gets vetted through you guys as well, making sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, you actually gave me today's topics, our, our first day's topics, which is Willie O'Ree and Simone Biles. You gave me the ideas for those. So look, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And if you guys ever have any curiosity as far as what we mean by getting together with collaborator, collaborators, this is the exact conversation we're talking about. Something that we can have a conversation from, we can each grow and it helps everybody to succeed. And, and that's what we wanted to feature with Black, our Black History Month topics and with our guests. You know, something that we can learn from somebody else's experience. Because I can tell you about the those things. It doesn't mean I know I have the, I have the experience. It doesn't it doesn't carry the same weight. And, and RJ, you're, what you had to say today, I mean, thank you so much, seriously, because being open and honest about it is the only way I feel like we're going to be able to move forward with everything. All right. Well, it was a pleasure. My dogs are going crazy. I've been knocking at the door. So I guess this timing was perfect. Yeah, absolutely, man. So as always, guys, we appreciate it. As as we just mentioned, check out RJ on all of his social medias. They will be in our uh, in our subject on the underneath, on the bio and the how tos, and and just click on those links, and you'll be able to connect right with them. But RJ, as always, I appreciate it, man. And we'll be right back with you for crunch time. Thank you very much. All right, and we are back. And DJ, I mean, what do you think about what I, RJ had to say? Definitely very enlightening. Always a wonderful, a wonderful guy to hear talk to as well. Too, you had some very good ideas. Very a lot of stories as well. Too, he was very, he was a really good person to talk. I'm glad we had him on the show as well. Too, he's a great interview. Yeah, I always love when RJ gets to gets to gets to talk about his pastime. Uh, you know, a guy that very big supporter of our podcast, as you can tell by his T-shirt. Uh, but you DJ, can't argue with that as well. Too, you can't can't hit on that too. That I saw that yeah. T-shirt. I was like, damn, I got to get that T-shirt. That's better than even that I have. 
you know, by the way, guys, if you need to get that T-shirt, it is in our bio, in our link tree. Uh, just jump on that. And all of RJ's connections to his social media are in the YouTube description below. So check all those out. The hyperlinks are right there. But DJ, we got a real quick crunch time. Do you have anything on your on your mind right now as far as what's happened lately? I feel like we've all but buried the lead of the week as well, too. We had one lead, but I think we left the other one here at the bottom. So now's as good as time as any. The GOAT himself, Tom Brady, officially officially announcing his retirement not adam scheffner daniel jeremiah or anybody else like that as well too officially tom brady announcing his retirement saying he just no longer wants to put the com- the competitive desire into it as well too the consistent com- competitive effort to move forward and play in the nfl as well too and i mean just looking at it, his nfl career is old enough to legally drink alcohol he has been in the nfl for 22 years i feel like if he stuck it out any longer he'd have to stick it out till 26 so his nfl career could rent a car at this point like there's there's nothing else to prove he's as good as it gets yeah this is like fantastic that he's had this, such a great career i said it in the in the article i wrote if he does end up retiring that this uh, there's no question in my mind he is right now the goat of quarterbacks and that is coming from a guy who i have refused to put him at the top of my list for so long but my stipulation was always that he was still playing and with that last Super Bowl title, with this what his performance he's done this year, actually kind of re- remaking himself this year, it was fantastic watch. And honestly, I'm glad if he's not going to put the, the competitive juices in there, I don't want to see him go out in another season of spite because that's how you get injured. And yeah. that's how bad things happen. Absolutely. And I really hope we get that 10th episode of the Man in the Arena. I hope that is one as well, too. I hope we find a way to make that happen as well, too. I know they talked about waiting until the season was over, kind of preluding this might be the end as well, too. But I still hope we get that one, even though Adam Scheffner, who, by the way, Adam, we're trying to ruin people's retirements. This is yeah, like the man. third time you do it. Like, at least call them and verify it, then ask first. Like, we'll ream into him at another time as well, too. But Adam Schefter, just stick your nose back in. Keep your boots snoot to yourself. Don't be sticking in a place that doesn't belong. Put your Twitter fingers away, sir. Exactly. Those things are dangerous as well, too. But anyway, that will do it for us on another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all tuning in with us. We'll see you guys again next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.